Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome, everybody. It is January. We got through 2020, the year of the mask, and we're still in the middle of the pandemic. But there's something about starting a new year. It's about beginning, starting a new chapter, a new season. For me, January is my special month because it's my birthday month, which I love. It is also for my radio show, the start of the sixth season on House Calls. And I'm so pleased and so grateful that you're listening today. I also honor at the start of my show, I call them my honorable mentions. I, I don't like shout outs because I don't like to shout because if I raise my voice, it makes my uh, anger hormones rise and I think I'm angry when I'm really raising my voice. So I just call them honorable mentions because I think we should be respectful towards other people. And so I begin by honoring people who share this birthday month with me. So I begin with my friend Katina Patrickwin in California. <laughs> with Dr. Frank McGuire, who's one of my oldest friends, and he has been on this show numerous times. He's having, having a birthday. I actually had a birthday yesterday. He was born yesterday. Uh, Bob Brown, who is my executive officer on my ship, The Prairie, he's in San Diego. Happy birthday this month. Susan Schumann, who had a birthday this month. Jeannie Becklin in Maui. Dr. Patty Pepper, she was our guest on her December show. She celebrated this month. Steve Lomanak, who was on Air Force One with me, uh, he was a flight attendant, career Air Force enlisted. He's having a birthday. Ananda Roberts, a dear friend of mine, an entrepreneur, a businesswoman, uh, CEO of Focus here in Scottsdale, celebrated this month. Lisa Algoncillo, who is my cousin from Nebraska. Happy birthday, cousin. Nettie Schwab, happy birthday. Casey Jensen, Vince Loveless. Bruno Vazel. Bruno had his birthday yesterday. Ed Rady's birthday is coming up along with Vicki Conrad. Dr. Seema Mohan, who is my friend here in Carefree, is having a birthday coming up. Ed Bulky, Mark Wetterow, Andy Ferguson, Herm Channon, who is a dear friend here in Paradise Valley, is celebrating this month. Dorothy Dowling and a dear friend of John and mine, Al Poldus in Canada, is having a birthday this month. So happy birthday, all of you. I also want to give honorable mention to some friends who reached out to me over the holidays last month, Christmas time. Dr. Anita Bell in Georgia, who was uh, my resident, her husband, Dr. Jeff Bell, who is a fellow resident in internal medicine with me. They're married. They're in Georgia. They have adorable grandchildren. I love their Christmas photos. Also, Two-star retired Navy Rear Admiral Bill McDaniel in Oak Harbor, Washington. He's retired Navy orthopedic surgeon, had multiple commands, also very talented. Uh, He has written a book about his work during hurricane relief, as well as his observations about uh, being on a reality show. He's doing his job to fight COVID by vaccinating the people there in his community. So kudos to you, Dr. McDaniel, for helping out. January is also a special month because January 20th, it's very meaningful for me as a former White House doctor. January 20th is Inauguration Day. I have have been at the White House during the uh, inaugurations of 
former President uh, Bill Clinton uh, when Bush Sr. transferred the office of presidency to uh, Bill Clinton. I was at the inauguration of Bill Clinton when he was reelected to president for a second term. And then when he stepped down and George W. Bush became president, I was also at the Capitol uh, witnessing that event. Uh, So I've been at a total of three inaugurations, uh, Democrat, Republican alike. I've witnessed those. And so it starts a new chapter for our country. And it has been truly a divisive time in our country, as we know very well, sadly marked by violence, uh, people being polarized, families torn apart. Uh, I pray as an American for our country. I pray for our leaders, regardless uh, who you voted for. I think we should pray for who God puts in office to lead our country. And I pray for their guidance. One of the things I observe about presidents having taken care of them, there are people like anybody else, right? I mean, I'm their doctor. I've served as their doctors. But, but as leaders, it's interesting. As candidates, they say, I'm going to run for office. They tell you what they're going to do. But they when they enter and they raise their hand and they have their hand on the Bible and they they vow to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, which is the oath of office, they begin their indoctrination or their education process. They can hear all they want about what it's like to be president, but they don't know until they become president. They give you the office of presidency, but you become president. You become president. You become vice president. Now begins their education when they sit them down and they brief them at high-level high level meetings and divulge to them in the presidential daily brief. Their eyes become wide open. They reveal things that are top secret national security issues. So it is a tremendous education for them. So I pray for them, and my prayer to every leader is that your love of this country transcends your political affiliation, that is no longer partisan, that in the end, we are American no matter what color or political affiliation, that we are American, united, and that's really the challenge for any leader to unite this country of tremendous diversity and tremendous talent to unite and raise us all together. And it takes incredible foresight, wisdom, but it takes a heck of a lot of prayer. And so I pray for any person who wants to take on the mantle of leadership, because in a lot of ways, it is a calling. And there's a reason why they are in office. It's God's will, perhaps, but it is the will of the people. And we pray. And and for those, if you're part of a group that is not happy with this, and I know there are a lot of people out there who are not happy with the outcome, I pray... (coughs) for your peace and decision what to do next. I never believe that violence is the solution. Violence is never the solution or answer to solve the problem. Solve the problem in ways that involve law and order and fairness. I always believe that if you're not happy with the outcome, find a better outcome, find a better solution, find better candidates next time, run for office, get more people on your side to rally. I also believe in freedom of speech. I would not be doing this if I did not believe in freedom of speech. I try to keep my remarks nonpartisan. And I really believe, sadly, that I have to do that because people turn you off if they say, well, she's a Republican or she's a Democrat or she's an independent or she's whatever. 
I think they, they tune you out. So I come as this radio show as an American, as somebody who's been blessed with a Filipino background. Uh, I voted in the past either Democrat, Republican, Independent. So I've experienced life as an American at various political parties. So my decision to vote is my decision. My opinions are my own. But I, I really seek in this format of my show not to be divisive, but to relay a message that unites people, but also to lift people up, to help people make their decisions in a non-emotional setting so that they can decide what's best for the country, but also what's best for them as a physician, as a fellow American. You know, what's best for us as people, as a people. I also believe not in color. I, I believe in the strength of the soul, and that's a little bit of the woo-woo side, that the soul has no color. It has no affiliation to any particular party or ethnicity or country. The soul is. And so I reach out beyond that and look at it a different way to find a way to rise people up, raise people up. So if you're unhappy, seek a solution, but make it peaceful, make it strong. I also believe over and over again, having worked with the media, I always tell people, whoever controls the media controls what people think, see, hear. Because how else do we get our information? So you have to trust the media that you get. And sadly, this has been a difficult time because we've questioned the media, the information we've obtained. How do you know what's truthful? How do you know what's been manipulated? If you don't like the media, form your own media company. Go find a way to get the media out there to get the word out. But seek the truth. Seek to get information that's not biased, not through the filter of what you're trying to do. Because when you bias the media, the information, the news, it's no longer news. It's propaganda. So don't go propaganda. Go towards truthful news. Find a way to get the word out. So that's my my sharing of finding the truth in news and trying to make an educated decision, but also being prayerful for all leaders of our country to guide us on the right path, to find the right way. I always say, you know, and I see lots of patients who are stressed out, not only with the pandemic, but politics, and, and it's fear. It's fear of the unknown. What's going to happen? What's going to happen next? And I always say to my patients, you circle yourself with your your zone or your circle of sanity, or your friends, your friends who lift you up, who don't make you more crazy. I have patients who get upset reading the paper and watching TV. I said, stop reading the paper. Stop watching the TV. Stop watching the news. If it makes you upset, stop it. If you can't control it, turn it off. Tone it down. Limit your introduction or your access to it so you limit the toxicity it does to you if it excites you great it makes you think wonderful but if it upsets you don't go there right i say create your bubble of bliss now maybe it's a little bit la la land or a little wacky but you know what is it going to hurt you to make your own bubble of joy try to find what lifts you up and makes you joyful talking to your friends writing, going for a walk, exercise, being good to yourself, and pray. I always believe in the power, power of prayer. I also believe in being grateful. I'm grateful that we're done with 2020, with the pandemic. The pandemic beginning was then. We're still not over it yet. 
It's definitely the year of COVID continues. It didn't really hit me until March 15th, beware the Ides of March, that it hit me here in Arizona, that the pandemic had really hit us hard here. Uh, Arizona uh, has the dubious distinction of being the epicenter about a week ago of the highest cases of COVID. So we're, we're well aware of that. I have patients who I've seen in the last couple of weeks who have been diagnosed with COVID. Fortunately, they are recovering. I've not lost a single patient. I have a small number of patients, granted about 300 of them, but fortunately none of them have passed away from that. But I have known of families and friends who have died of it and it brings me great sadness. But we're also looking at the gifts of the pandemic, if you can say that, of marriages. My son got married during the pandemic. For people who have rejoiced in working from home, who, such as my sons, who have had time with their children and their family to work from home, the whole new movement of being able to balance work and home, but been productive, maintaining their job, who have not lost their jobs, been able to work from home, grown closer to the family, and also reaching out through Zoom calls, social media, but also people who have turned around their health during the pandemic, which we'll talk about later in the show about a family member of mine who was able to turn around his health and make new changes. Some people have said, listen, I know it's a rough time with the pandemic. I'm going to not gain 15 pounds, instead be healthier, be more mindful, be a nicer person. Uh, so finding ways to turn that around. One nice thing about this time, touch wood, I've not seen any flu. Usually flu season, we're hit. <laughs> I've not heard of anybody among my patients who've gotten influenza. Now, a lot of them have gotten the flu vaccine, which is about 46% effective. Uh, you hear about our COVID vaccine being 95% effective, so even more better with that. But really, I've not heard of flu. So talking about our vaccine, I got my second dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine on Monday. I'm very happy about that. I'm grateful that I got that. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of states have struggled trying to get that out. I know our state has been struggling to get the word out for 75 and older. Patients are saying, gee, I'm 64, what do I do? Uh, the word is going to come out when that's going to get to you, uh, the vaccine. So be patient. Uh, a lot of the websites have crashed. A lot of people have struggled with the Internet. I have very many 75-year-olds who can't navigate the Internet. They've gotten their children or grandchildren to help them to get on. So be patient with that. The hope is once we get as many people immunized, you, you obviously get healthcare workers immunized first, then you get the more vulnerable, the people in nursing homes, you get them immunized. Uh, the other healthcare workers, yes, they're in the first group, law enforcement, military, you get them immunized, and then you start spreading the vaccine among as many people as possible to get herd immunity, which we hope will be around this summer. But you, meanwhile, you continue to mask, you social distance, you're cautious regarding respiratory contacts, you maintain good health. Uh, they tell me that even after my second dose of COVID vaccine, which I got Monday, I should expect uh, about 95% immunity in eight days, which is great, but doesn't mean I throw away my mask. I'm still respectful of other people in settings. I can sort of let my guard down a little bit, but... Can I still get COVID? The scientists say you can. You still can get COVID. But if, if, if I get COVID, it's unlikely I will die from it. If I get it, uh, I should be able to recover 
a lot better or I should have a lighter version of it. So that's hopeful. It's a low likelihood that I can spread it. But again, there's never a 100% chance that you're going to get 100% immunity, but at least it comes close. So I think that's amazing with the new vaccine. So I, in, I will encourage people as many as possible to get vaccine when they're eligible for it. Continue to wash your hands, to social distancing until we get herd immunity, to mask. And I, in a lot of ways, I do the masking as a courtesy to others. When I'm out for a walk and I don't see any other human beings, I take off my mask. I'm breathing fresh air. If I see somebody passing me, I put on my mask. I cover up. I say, it's a sign that I see you. I'm not going to breathe on you. Don't worry, even though I've been immunized. It's a courtesy that I'm extending to them. So I'm going to pause here. I've got a break coming up. We're going to pause for a three-minute break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk to a dear family member of mine, Rob Raffinen, who's calling in from Canada. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's House Calls for Rob Raffinen on our, after our break on House Calls. So stay tuned for this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to our show. It's the first show of the of the, the new year, and as we're starting off a new chapter, I got my inspiration actually from social media. You know, trying off the new year, I was anxious what's going to happen this year. Right before every monthly show, I always look around, what's the theme? And obviously the theme is a new chapter. So I thought, how am I going to start this? So what I did was I went to Facebook. I've got many friends on Facebook and many family members on Facebook. And what struck me on the January 1st post was a... uh, a post from a nephew of mine. And I'll have to explain a little bit because in the Philippines, if you have a cousin, that's your first cousin, and and his mother is my first cousin, and her son, this is our guest, Rob, who's going to speak, I call him my nephew. So he's going to call me Auntie Connie. And that's, you know, and he I consider him my nephew, even though he's probably my second cousin. But I figure we're pretty close. And let me explain how we're related. Our guest, who we're going to, I'm going to introduce shortly, is very close. His mother is my late cousin, Teresita Hinko Rafanan, and she's my Ating Tessie because we give respect to our elders. We, For older sisters and older cousins, we say Ating, and for older men, uh, we say Koya. So Ating Tessie is my older cousin. She's two year, she was two years older than me. Now, we're very related in the sense that her mother was my father's sister, and her father was my mother's brother. So both sides of the family. And I wouldn't be here today had it not been for my cousin Tessie's parents. Now, why is that? Well, when my cousin Tessie's older brother, Jose Hinko Jr., who lives in Pensacola, my cousin Joe, um, when his parents had him in the Philippines, my father was a serviceman in the U.S. Navy. He came home on liberty to see the baby, his nephew, my my Koyung uh, Joe. And my mother was visiting because this is, you know, a big deal. You know, your your brother has a little boy, and, you know, she wanted to go see the baby as well. That's how she met my dad in the Philippines because my aunt and uncle got married, and they and then they had this beautiful baby boy, Koyung Joe, who is my cousin Tessie's older brother. So... I'm here because of that. That's how my parents met, and, you know, there was for a reason. So my Koya Joe is probably listening in from Pensacola. So my cousin Tessie was born after my uncle, my cousin Joe. She was two years older. And when she was probably in her 20s, she moved to Canada. She met uh, uh, her husband, last name is Rafanan, and they had two sons, Emil, who shares my birthday. So belated happy birthday. Well, actually, no, his birthday is January 30th, like mine. So happy birthday, Emil. Uh, we share that birthday. And their second son, Rob, Robert. And I remember Robert because he's 37. Of course, I'll be 66. And I remember him as a little boy. But because they lived in Canada, we didn't get the chance to see each other very much. And sadly, we would see each other at funerals. And the last time I saw his mother was in 2019 at our Aunt Mary's funeral in San Diego. And I remember sitting with Cousin Tessie. And I had just lost my husband, John, and she had lost her husband, Rafi, uh, about a year or two before. And he was young. He was in his 60s. 
And I remember sitting with her and she held me and I hugged her and she says, Coney, we are both widows now. And I said, oh my gosh, I know we both grieved and mourned of that. But she says, but we have our children. We have our sons. She had two sons. I have two sons and our grandchildren. And she was so in love with her her grandchildren and, and so proud of her sons. And that was the last time I saw her because she passed away a few months later. And so my heart breaks because I couldn't go to her, her funeral uh, in Canada. And so, but I still kept in touch with the Canadian relatives. So come January 1st, I'm on Facebook and I find this wonderful post from Rob Rafanan. And I'm going to share it with you before I introduce him. I'm going to show you Rob's post. And in his post, he writes, I entered 2020 in a very precarious mindset. I had just lost my mom. We were in the process of going through all of her belongings and looking to sell her house. I'd committed to a healthier lifestyle with cycling as one of my main tools. And surprisingly, and contrary to my historical track record of life events knocking me off, of course, that that kept me going and on a consistent path through that tough winter, helping me lose 50 pounds entering 2020. Then COVID hit and we went into lockdown. So I look at that, I'm thinking, what happened to this poor guy? So I'm going to pause right now. Let me go a little bit to his background because I jumped the gun a little bit. I'm going to tell you about Rob professionally because they're like, okay, Connie, other than the fact he's your your nephew, a blood relative, what else? Tell us about Rob. So Rob is calling in today from Milton, Ontario, Canada. He has a Bachelor of Arts degree with honors from the University of Toronto, which is my late husband, John's alma mater. Rob has spent the majority of his professional career as an account executive at KCI Medical Canada, he shared, which his company shared the benefits of VAC negative pressure wound therapy. So thank you for that. But Rob's most important position in life, as he says, is being a family man. He is the husband of the amazing Mary and the father of beautiful Lily and Marcus, and they are beautiful. Rob has encountered tremendous challenges both physically, mentally, and emotionally over the past 10 years. He has used those experiences along with a healthy shift in mindset, which he'll share today, to make his life better. So he's here to share that. So first of all, Rob, welcome to our show. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. I'm going to share a little bit more about your post because I, I was really touched by this. It said that COVID hit and you are able to achieve some great accomplishments through the summer. But before I go to all the achievements and why this show is going to help so many people, can you share with us those struggles? Because I think most people find they hear about, you know, okay, so you succeeded, you do that, you lost all this weight, good for you. But I think they want to hear how hard it was, because we're all struggling with something, right? There's p something, what, what really captures people is the struggle, and then how you get through it, and what turns you around, and how you achieve things as a result. But can you share with us all the tough things that were going on that right before you changed? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as much as you said, right before I changed, this has been uh, a lifelong thing, or at least for at least the last 12 years. So, you know, 12 years ago, I was super, super active. Uh, along with my group of friends, we played a lot of sports. Uh, we worked out daily. I ran a half marathon. You know, we were very active. Um, but then I got my first pinch in my back, and that sort of sidetracked me. Um, and as a result, I became more sedentary. 
Uh, and at that time, I also had started university. Or sorry, not university. I finished university and I started working at TCI. And I think I got caught up in that rat race of adult life and, you know, started focusing on work and I became sedentary. And my priorities were, you know, they shift as you get older, obviously. So I started gaining weight and more weight. And, you know, as a result, my back got progressively worse through that time. Um, even to the point that, you know, if I look back at my wedding pictures, and I remember this very vividly, um, in the church, kneeling at the very front. And I remember my wife, Mary, gave me a little look because she knew what was going in my head oh. that I'm going to be in pain while kneeling on the ground at the church. Oh, poor dear. So, and I remember that so clearly because I was trying to hold back sweat and hold that and, you know, keep smiling for the pictures. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of pain. And so... It got to the point where I just stopped doing most of the things that I enjoyed in life. And, you know, pain took over, and it really took control of my life. And so um, May 2014 comes along. My dad passed away from a heart attack. Uh, at that time, my wife was four months pregnant, and we were very much looking forward to having my dad meet his granddaughter. He had met his first granddaughter, Emily, and, um, you know, we were... We were very much looking forward to him meeting who would be Lily at that time, right now. But, um, so, but it was a bit of a rude awakening for me because I was getting heavier and heavier. And you know, my dad had a heart attack and he had died and I knew I was at risk. So, you know, I, I started going to the doctor. I found that I had mild hypertension. But a year later, I had to drive myself to the ER because I had tachycardia that wouldn't go away after um, maybe a couple hours, actually. And I was subsequently cardioverted, oh. and I was referred to a cardiologist. And you were 35 so, years old, 36? How old were you when that happened? Uh, 32. Oh, you're young. You are young. I yeah. was, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So it was bad. Um, and how much did you weigh? After, Rob, how much did you weigh then? Uh, about 379. 379, yeah. How tall are you? I am 5'10", so yeah. I'm not 6'5", 379 of all my Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was it was a lot. And I remember I was doing CrossFit at one point, and I was working with a nutritionist, and he had asked me, oh, how much do you weigh? You know, just all the initial stuff um, to give her the basic information to provide a uh, a workout plan or a diet plan for me. And I was like, oh, 250, 260 max. I know I left mm-hmm. the phone at that time. And she's like, okay. And I think back now, I'm thinking, what was she thinking when I said that number? Yeah. Because then we ended up going inside and I stood on scale and I was at 340 pounds. Oh, boy. And I remember, um, I think only two times in my life I had this feeling of everything sort of just stood still. Mm-hmm. And the world, like the room started spinning and I was... I, I was just confused as to what was happening. Um, you know, where, how, how do you lose track of 90 pounds? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. One of the things I'm going <laughs> to share I, with you, and, and, and for those who are Filipino, in a lot of cultures, you know, our, yeah. our language of love and our family is food, my dear. You know that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. our family, it's yeah. a Filipino culture, which, of which we are. They always ask, did you eat? Did, uh, you, it's like, welcome. it's all about food. Our, I mean, our family, yeah. uh, God bless my mother. She lived to 89 and a half. But, you know, she would go to a funeral or something or an event. I go, well, how's the funeral? 
It was sad. It was okay. But the food was good. The food was good. Yeah. It was <laughs> it was all about the food. And you'd go to any event, it was all about the food. And, and and we have great food. We have wonderful food, but it's the amount of food. And it's our language of love yeah. is food. It really is. And I totally understand. And we're emotional eaters. Uh, my drug of choice is food. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired, think of halt. I go for food, right? We have our comfort food. Yeah. But you being a young guy, okay. I, I'm as, as an internist, it's like, oh my gosh, you poor guy. I, you yeah. Worry. Yeah. Absolutely. At, at that. So what was the maximum you gained? So 379, I was pretty much, so after that uh, appointment with the dietitian, I had um, gotten eventually up to 379, but it was maybe about a month after I was losing weight with CrossFit and I was doing well. And then uh, I found out that I had an atrial flutter and hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So it, get wor- it gets worse. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so at that point, in case anyone isn't aware, it was if anyone follows sports and you ever hear about those athletes who are going all out and playing the sport and then their heart stops and they die, that is what yeah. I was told I had. At 32. So, yeah. you know, doing CrossFit at that time is was not very healthy and I had to stop doing that and I had to stop playing all my sports that I was playing. And I fell into a really big, I guess, I was in a hole because here I was, I was 32 years old, new daughter, gaining weight, and fairly debilitating back pain, can exercise, do the activities I enjoyed doing, and now I have more reason to stop doing activity because I do not want my heart to stop. Right. Um, so yeah, I've been on, I was on slippery slope before, and now I've completely fallen off the mountain at this point. And um, yeah, so it got up to 379, and it got so bad that uh, in February 2019, after being unable to complete a presentation at a hospital, so I was doing an in-service for uh, you know, about 30 nurses, and I was unable to complete it because I was in so much pain. Uh, my voice was cracking and uh, wavering. I was sweating, and my knees were shaking. And luckily, uh, my customer uh, was able to notice that he had known I had back issues, and he continued for me, but... Um, that's not what I like to put forward professionally or, or any, anyway, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. um, I, I went on long-term disability, and that ended up lasting a year and a half. So oh, wow. Physically disabled now, uh, physically debilitated, and now I'm emotionally debilitated because I feel like I'm not able to provide for my family. Yeah. Um, and pain was so much of a factor for my life. Like, my daughter knew that if she were to ask me something, like, Daddy, can we play? Can we do this? Can we do this? She knew what my answer would be, and she would always say, Oh, I know, I know, you mm. can't because you're backward. And oh. it would crush me. Yeah. It would break my heart. And, you know, literally, I was missing out on both my son and my daughter growing up because mm-hmm. I was here sitting on the sidelines and watching. Yeah. And I was missing out on life. So, what was um, the last straw? Wasn't until my car- yeah, what was the, the final? The last straw yeah. was... Well, it's interesting. So the last straw really was when my mom died. So that was uh, December of 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, things were going well. I had already started cycling, as I had mentioned in, in the Facebook post. And, um, but my mom was, was my rock along with Mary, my wife. Yeah. And they were both my biggest supporters. So having lost that, I, I just felt like everything was coming at me so fast. I was lost. And, um, you know, obviously it's hard for someone to lose 
anyone that they love and they mean, and that means so much to you. But um, for me, mom's death got me thinking, and it, I, I use this term, but I did some simple napkin math in my head, mm-hmm. and to this day, it literally is the most eye-opening revelation I've ever had, and this is what it was. Both my parents died when they were in their early to mid-60s. They were also way healthier than I was at 36 years old. Mm. So if I were to assume there is a correlation, which is, <laughs> then I literally have less than 30 years to live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have 30 years left to spend with my kids, mm-hmm. 30 years left to spend with my wife, mm-hmm. 30 years left on this earth. Right. And for me, I wasn't willing to fail my wife and kids anymore than I already have. So I wasn't going to abandon them anymore. And, uh, I was going to commit to change because of this. Yeah. So how did you, what did you do? Um, so I think first and foremost, it really came down to me having an honest conversation with myself. Mm-hmm. You know, in sales, we talk so much about the emphasis on understanding what motivates people um, and initiates action. And I know these factors for everyone in my life. Yeah. I'm not selling everyone in my life, but you observe people. Mm -hmm. And I I know all the different things that motivate a lot of the people in my life, but I don't think I was honest with myself about what motivates me and causes me to do things. So I thought about how amazing I was in high school as a student and how bad I was early in university when I didn't have anyone watching my shoulder or looking over my shoulder and looking at my work and keeping me accountable. I, I thought about when we were younger, we used to work out with a group of friends every day at the gym, and we used to succeed as a group, but it kept me motivated. I'm going to pause um, a little bit here, Rob. We'll come back in a few minutes. Quick break, and we'll be right back. Sure. I want to hear some more. So stay tuned, folks. Sure. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. 
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. I'm so grateful to have uh, the call-in guest today, Rob Raffinan, who is my nephew. And I was so touched by his January 1st post about his struggles and how he turned his life around. He's 37. Uh, he's a businessman in, Ontario, in uh, Milton, Canada. And he was, he was sharing in the first part of the show about the, the physical struggles he went through with his weight, his disability, with his heart, his back, the constant pain. And what really turned him around, as Rob shares, was he did the math. He looked at how old his parents were when they died in their, in their 60s, mid-60s, and how much time he would have left if he were to continue his path. And his parents were a lot healthier than Rob is. So he made some changes. So, Rob, please you know, share some more about the changes you made. And, and afterwards, I'm going to have you share with the audience the, the five things you shared, the pieces of advice you shared on your post. But first, talk about what you did to change, to turn everything around to start this new chapter in your life. Yeah, uh, when it comes down to it, because there are a lot of different things, but realistically, the biggest change that I had to make before anything else was my relationship with myself and understand myself, understand what motivated myself um, and how I viewed and perceived things around me. And really, once I was able to do that, a lot of everything else fell in line. Um, you know, if I was able to, I always say that um, wherever your mind goes, everything else will follow. Mm-hmm. And it really was a matter of me finding out what I needed to do to get my head and my outlook in a positive place. And, you know, it was a number of things from keeping motivated with cycling to, I, I went to see a therapist early in 2020. And for me, it literally was enlightening. It was, it was, um, like we often don't think like we think we know ourselves, we actually don't take the time to listen to ourselves. Right. And I, I'm talking verbally. Yeah. Um, and when I, when I heard the words that were coming out of my mouth, it made things real and tangible. It gave me insight to um, things I didn't know that was there. And, and really, it gave me a map to how I wanted to turn that around. Now, you underwent surgery as well, too, because your amount of weight is pretty significant. I mean, you underwent gastric bypass because that's, you know, we call it morbid obesity. Uh, There are people who undergo gastric sleeve, and I have patients who've had gastric bypass who want to lose over 100 pounds. How much have you lost so so far? So prior to the surgery, I had lost 80 pounds. Um, And at this point, I am now... 127 pounds, or sorry, 227 pounds, not 127. Uh, so I am quite a bit down. I am, I'm 150, almost 160. Now, how long ago was your surgery? So my surgery was in September, on September 22nd. Um, last year? Yeah. Yeah, of, of last year. So I've lost about 70 to 80 pounds. 
So, you know, you, you obviously underwent the, the major surgery to alter the body, the, you know, the intake of the food to do that. But I think the things that really made a difference was the therapy and you're, you're burning up all the calories with your cycling. I mean, can you share about how dedicated you are to your cycling, how many miles you ride every week? So, yeah, cycling, it's interesting because that was the one thing that sort of made me hesitate about, <laughs> it's weird, but what made me hesitate about surgery because I asked my surgeon, how much energy will I have to continue cycling? And, you know, he assured me that it would be okay because we had ridden Niagara Falls and back. Uh, so my, my cycling group, which is a group of neighbors, uh, called the Kumi Cycling Club, CCC. Mm-hmm. Um, but, we yeah, we rode... We rode to Niagara Falls and back. We rode a 100-mile ride. We've done numerous 100-kilometer rides. And it actually, a lot of it started because they saw that the weight was a big issue for me and it was holding me back, and they knew that it would keep me motivated and accountable. So they said, we're going to ride, and we're going to support you. And we rode all through the winter every single day, all through the summer every single day. So, yeah, we ride about six days a week in the summer. Amazing. We're get, we've, yeah. Our time, unfortunately, is limited. We've got a uh, some yeah. few minutes left, but I want to focus on the five things that you shared in your post. Can you share those things with us, with the audience, each yeah, one? Yeah, sure. So, number one, and these are all things that I've, I've experienced over 2020 and really has changed my mindset um, in light of everything that else that's been happening uh, to our world. So, number one is to appreciate what you have in life and you know, I talk about this with my wife and with a lot of people who complain about, you know, everything that's going on with COVID and, and lockdowns and, you know, people are losing their lives, people are losing, losing their jobs. And it, it's, it's unfortunate and it's horrible. But I tell my wife, we will never have this time with our kids. We've had months with our kids. Right. And we'll never have that time again. And so at some point, we're going to look back and wish we had it. So really appreciating what we currently have in life and being present, um, it makes a big difference. And, and I think that was that is a priority for me now. Uh, like, I don't want to look back at life and, and, and think of, you know, I'm trying to make up time. Right. I want to focus on, I just want to make the most of what I have right now. Exactly, exactly. Uh, number two, we can make it through anything if we stay together. And, and really, this is, in general... As a society, as a culture, you know, for us on Coombs Court, which is my street, we are a super tight-knit family. Everyone Good. gets along so well. We do so many things together. Uh-huh. So it, it, it pertains to us as well. But really, this message was for my wife, Mary. Um, early in our, uh, in our marriage, we had bought a house, and I got laid off the day before we got approved for our mortgage. Mm. And so um, we were financially really hard off, and I ended up working about nine jobs. Um, because I didn't want to go back into sales until, you know, I was, I was scared of, of the uncertainty. And through that nine months, we realized, hey, we can do it. It doesn't matter. Anything else that comes, we can make it happen because we've done it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with all the loss of patience over the past year and the risk of health and all of these different things and everything that I've gone through, um, if we stay together and we're on the same page, and we keep the same mindset, we can get through anything. So really, that was for Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, to me, she's superwoman. You know, <laughs> she was the one who was there 
stepping up for everything that I was unable to do for our family. Yeah. And now that I'm able to, you know, I, I want to repay her for, for all that she's done. So, um, number three, prioritize family over everything. There are a lot of people out there and a lot of people will stick through everything with you and, and stand beside you. But family will always be there. Um, no matter what happens. And, and I'm talking about, um, you know, extended family. I'm talking about relationships with family, but also, um, when looking at what your priority for, for you is when I was early, when I was younger and things sort of started going downhill, my priority was work. My priority was making money and, and establishing myself. Now my priority is my family. Everything I'm doing is for my family. And that's why number three is very important. To me. Number four for me is, is, I think number four and five are the most important, but health, like time, is the most precious gift that we're given. You know, time is a resource that we will never get back once it's done, and we spend it so frivolously, you know, doing things that don't matter, spending time stressing out over things that don't matter. Um, to me, health is the resource that can afford us more time. And I mean physically, mentally, emotionally, um, I just think that if we were to put a lot of focus on our health, then that other resource, which is so precious to us, we may be able to get more of that. And that is worth everything in this world. And finally, limitations are what you impose on yourself. Keep growing, keep working, keep pushing, and keep positive. Positive, keep positive, not a word. Um, we can choose our outlook. And you had mentioned this uh, when you talked about your bubble of bliss. Um, we can choose our outlook. We can choose, we can see anything as a limitation out there, really. Pain, weather, money, our current circumstances, anything. But really, on the flip side, you can also choose to see them as opportunities. Opportunities to challenge yourself, opportunities to improve, opportunities to better yourself and overcome hardship. Realistically, we create our own walls, and we, too, are the ones who break them down. So, really, never settle and if you want something, go get it. Wow. Those are I, I think you should write a book. I think I think <laughs> your five lessons that you have shared can help so many people. Uh, I've had other authors on the show. Last year I've had uh, David Riccio, uh, David Rico, who is a psychotherapist at Essel, and he talks about the five truth things. And they're very similar, but they are universal truths that you share. But I think the beauty of what you share, you're young, you're only 37, but you're also very wise. And I think a lot of people think, well, what Dr. Connie does is for the older people, retired. No, I mean, <laughs> you're, you, know, you're, you know, your life's beginning. You know, you're a family man, you're a businessman. Um, there's so much stuff going on, but yet you, when you face your mortality in this life and you had that special, you know, you did the math and losing your mother, both your parents at a young age, and you look around you and what's left? How do I want to spend the rest of my life? And it, 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 it takes a lot of pain and, and then realization that I can do something about this. You're not a victim. You didn't assume the victim role. You said, listen, I, I can do something. And I think... I look at what makes people change for the better. Uh, you know, if everything's going well and, or you're in, and people are in denial, they're never going to change. But when you find, I'm hurting, man, I am really hurting, 
uh, I'm suffering, uh, things need to happen. And you made a conscious decision to make it happen. And you used the resources around you. And you, your eyes became opened because you appreciate what you have. You look at your family, your support system. And you're doing this really for something greater. You're doing it for the f- people you love because you want to see your children grow up. You want to be with them as long as you can be. And, you know, and maybe you had to suffer those lessons, sadly. But look at your example that you through taking care of yourself, you, you can still eat. You just don't eat large volumes. I mean, that's the thing I tell my patients. <laughs> Smaller portions, eat healthy you know, lovingly to your body, but take up an activity that burns it up, that gets you in that mindset. But your whole mindset is that of gratitude. You know, you're not a victim. And um, right before we close, we've got a few more minutes. What would you, what message do you want to send out there to your mom and your dad who are no longer with us, but I know they're listening in from where they are. What do you want them to know? Yeah. Yeah. What do you want them to know? Well, I just honestly... They, um, it was a big sacrifice for them to leave when they did. Um, you know, we're missing them so much. Yeah. My kids talk about them all the time. Even my dad, they never met, but we continue to make sure that they're aware of who he was and what he did. But, um, they also gave me the biggest gift, I think, with the perspective. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't change anything that happened to me up to this point. I would not change anything for the world. Because if I didn't have that happen, I wouldn't be able to look with such clarity that I have now, I think. And so I would just, I would want to let them know that I am grateful and thankful for everything they've given me, especially their last gift to me, which was giving me the opportunity to look at what life really should mean for me. Well, thank Um, you, Rob, for being on our show. And thank you for your outlook and your blessings and can god bless you on your journey to more health and long life so thank you all for listening to our guest tonight rob raffinen uh from canada and carry on the next chapter in your life so take care and god bless you all thank you again for joining us this week for house calls with dr connie mariano We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.